listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies, here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au and Queensland Rail, committed to educating drivers to know their vehicle height and to plan their trip ahead to avoid low-lying bridges. Go to www.qr.com.au. G'day and thanks for joining us for episode 110 of On The Road. It's another variety-packed show for you again this week as Mike is joined by Queensland Rail driver Jen Carl to talk about the challenges that train drivers face when railway lines and roads meet. Aussie country pop artist Brittany Elise drops in to talk about her new single and album and her Feel the Fire tour. Mike and I go head-to-head on the subject of training and towing licences for caravanners in something to talk about later in the show. As always, all the latest trucking news from our newsroom and a new single from one of our recent music guests to ease us on out from this week's show. We're fully loaded, fueled up and ready to go, so... Let's get this show on the road! Yes, get on with it! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. (laughs) Across the nation, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, australiantruckradio.com.au. We're talking with Jen Carl. She's a train driver with Queensland Rail. Now, you all know that we've been doing this promotion with QR and we're talking about level crossing safety and we're going to be talking about bridge strikes and all that sort of stuff down the track. But right now, I've got Jen with me. Jen drives for Queensland Rail in North Queensland. I believe she's based up around Cairns somewhere. I'm going to find out a little bit about her, what she does and how she got to be a train driver. And the first question I've got to ask you, Jen, after I welcome you to the show is, do you have a Casey Jones hat? I don't, actually. No, sorry. <laughs> you don't? No. Pete Cowan didn't have one either. How do you get to be a train driver without a Casey Jones hat? Well, it's not part of the uniform. Maybe we should put a request in for one of them. <laughs> I did catch an Amtrak train in America a few years ago, and I love the little hats that they were wearing on there. So, yeah, yeah we might have to investigate it. Mate, I tell you what, I just can't understand it. It's on all the cartoons. Every train driver's got to have a Casey Jones hat. Do you at least have the bib and brace overalls? No, don't even have them, unfortunately. Oh, well, that's the way it goes. I'll have to get onto the uniform committee and make sure we update our uniforms then. I think we need to do something like that. So who are you? What's your story? And where are you from, mate? Simple girl. I am actually originally from North Queensland and uh, headed down to Brisbane after school and um, sort of stuck around there, headed overseas for a little while, came back to Brisbane. My background is actually exercise science. But when I came back from overseas, I couldn't get into my field of work, so I somehow stumbled into QR instead. It's a big leap. Yeah, I know. I know. Never in my life did I ever think train driver was anywhere up my alley. So you never played with trains as a kid or anything like that? It's just just something that happened? Something that happened, yep. More of a Barbie doll girl, but yeah, no trains whatsoever. Wow. I mean, I played with trucks as a kid, and I was always into trucks, and I just thought, well... Is it a vocation? I mean, is it something you love? Or I mean, there's so many jobs you could probably do inside QR. What is it that makes you drive these big locos? It was just the progression side of things. It really was just fell into it. After I couldn't get work in my field back here, I was like, what do I do? And my cousin was working on the city cats. So I went there for a few weeks. This was 2011. Mm. So the floods hit and they were just like, oh, mm. we suggest you go find another job. We don't know when we'll be back up and running. And then QR were offering jobs at that time. So I applied and was successful. And it's just been sidestepped ever since through the ranks. And yeah, somehow got to train driver. So where did you start with Queensland Rail? I was a porter at the stations right? and then went to train guard. I think they had about four or five years where they didn't need any new guards at that stage. And then I came in at a time where they started to recruit guards again. So I managed to get into that and then eventually into driver. Right. So what does a guard do? 
Guard is uh, in the city train and they are the ones that either in the middle or down the back of the train, depending on which unit you're driving. Mm. And they will assist people on and off the train and make sure that um, everyone is clear of the platform before the train is allowed to leave the platform. And then any issues that happen with regards to medical episodes or doors not closing, they will go back and do those sorts of things and fix them. So the guard's the one that gets to yell all aboard then? We don't actually do that. They just blow a whistle these days. Right. Okay. Taking Mm. all the fun out of it, haven't you? (laughs) Possibly. Possibly. I don't know whether there'd be a lot of people loud enough to stretch the whole platform, though, to make sure that that everyone can hear that. It strikes me as wildly amusing. Obviously, trains around the world sort of share a similar heritage and things like that. What sort of trains are you driving? Are they big freight trains or are they passenger trains? What are you driving? Now it's just passenger trains. So the Tilts and the Coranda service. Okay. Coranda. Mm. Oh, such a beautiful view. Such a beautiful drive. I've been up to Coranda on the train. Mm. Very nice. It is very nice. I used to live up in Cairns. I used to live at Yorkies. Oh, wow. Okay. I was within staggering distance from the Half Moon Bay Yacht Club. It's very handy. <laughs> haven't been there yet, but I have heard it's good. Steak Tuesday, mate. Don't miss it. <laughs> it used to be really good. <laughs> I'll have to take your word on that and go on Tuesday. So the Coranda Rail on, and what did you say, the tilt trains? Yeah, the tilt train down to Townsville we do. Okay. So how long does it take you to get from Cairns to Townsville? Mm, just over six hours on a good day. Six hours on a good day? Mm. Well, it's a long time. Do you do that in one hit, do you, or does it have a break somewhere along the way? or? So we've always got two drivers in the regional cabs. Mm. So we will swap twice on the way down to Townsville. Right. And it's done in the one hit, but we've got a maximum of 80 kilometres just due to the track. Now, maximum speed of 80 kilometres an hour. Yeah, maximum speed. So we cannot exceed 80. Anyway, anywhere through to Townsville and then after Townsville, they get to go up to 160 kilometres an hour down to Brisbane. Yeah, that's the maximum speed. 160? Yeah, I know. I got to drive 140 in Brisbane. That was nice. Yeah. Mm. I was amazed. I went to Japan a couple of years ago and I got to ride on one of those Shinkansen things over there. They're just incredible, those things. Mm, they are, aren't they? 260 kilometres an hour or something. Mm-hmm. And he's sweeping past Mount Fuji with 5G Wi-Fi and things like that. Do you reckon we'll ever get there in Australia? They talk about high-speed trains. Do you reckon there's a chance that that could happen? Not in our lifetime, I don't think. That's a lot of infrastructure and a lot of money to cover that. Oh, yeah. Mm. And then when we've got those constant floods through different areas at different times, Mm. that's a massive thing that affects our network. Yeah. It's an amazing thing, and I've driven some really big things in the world, but something that's thousands of tonnes like you drive, you must feel the weight of responsibility on your shoulders, particularly with all those passengers when you're sitting there. Is that something you think about, or is it just something that's just there and it's just an everyday thing? It sort of is in the back of your mind. I think if you think about it too much, though, you've got that chance of being distracted. And also, you know, when you do have those near misses and whatnot, Mm. you're having to slam brakes on. It can get to you that you've possibly hurt somebody in the back unintentionally. Yeah. Just because the brakes have come on so quickly and you haven't been able to warn them because it's been such a fast reaction that you've had. Yeah. No, I know yourself, I look over the bottom of my truck all the time and you, you see things happen, see things that are potentially going to happen. You might react to something that doesn't eventuate. And obviously, your vehicle pays the price for that sometimes if you get a little bit excited. I know if I get a bit excited on the brakes, it can get a little bit untidy sometimes. Mm. But, I mean, you're stuck to the tracks. You know, you can't swerve. No. You've only really got one option, haven't you? It is. It's just slam those brakes on and hope for the best. Yeah. Which is hard to do sometimes because it could just be a very slight sort of swerve if you could to miss something that's come in front of you. Mm. But, yep, we're stuck to where we are, and depending on the weight of the train, we're stuck on how slow or how fast we come to a stop. Well, it's like it's a different world. We get used to, what, I suppose, what it is that we do, and you get used to what's happening. How long have you been driving trains for now? I qualified in 2018 down in Brisbane. Right, so for four years or so? Yeah, about four years, and then I've come up to Cairns this year. Okay. So I've just started learning all the uh, the diesel trains up here. Okay, so when you change onto a different line, you've got to have a trainer with you, and they go with you and show you things, do they? Yeah, so you have to be uh, route qualified, so that's what I'm doing at the moment. Right. You have to also be qualified on the particular engine that you're driving, so we did that training last year down in Brisbane. Yep. And then the other one that all train drivers have is the safe working we need to be qualified in that as well for all of Queensland. Righto. Mm. You just don't just go and just jump in, I'll go and drive that train and just go and jump in that and take it for a burl. You've got to go and do a little bit first. That is true. And it can take 
Well, down in Brisbane, six to 12 months. Yep. Because we've had train driving experience behind us, it's not taking as long when we come out to the regional depots. We just have to learn the route and the type of train that we're driving, and that doesn't take as long. All very interesting stuff. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to hear from QR with their safety message, and we'll be back with Jen Carl after the break. Come with there, Andy. Yeah, Mike, got you go. Mate, we're coming up that level crossing we were talking about before. Looks like we're going to be stopping. Roger that. Look at the size of that thing. They tell me they take about two k's to stop. That's like 20 times the length of the MCG. We'd want to be playing chicken with that. Yeah, copy that. They can't exactly swerve either, can they? They're stuck to the tracks, mate. <laughs> it's not that hard to wait till it's safe to cross and make sure the road's clear on the other side. Yeah, not like that bloke last week who forgot about the length of his trailer. Yeah, I heard about that one. It's not really funny, though, when you think about it. Poor old train driver. Probably been having nightmares ever since. Yeah, I reckon. We're all in the same boat, really, mate. Everyone just wants to get home safe at the end of the day. Yeah, not wrong on that one. There goes the last carriage. Looks like we're safe to head off now. Thanks, Mike. Long way to go. After you, old mate. This is a message from Queensland Rail reminding us that it's important to stay alert and obey any signs and signals when approaching level crossings to help keep you and everyone else safe. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. We're back with Jen Carl and we're talking about trains and Queensland and we're going to talk about some level crossing stuff at the moment. Now, obviously... The whole point of what we're doing is to highlight the level crossing safety campaign that's being run by QR. Tell me what it's like. You're in your train and you're coming up at level crossing and you know that the boom arms are going to go down and you know that the red lights are going to be flashing. What are you doing though? Every time you come up, are you ready for something to happen? Are you ready for someone to just take no notice and drive through? Or what's the story? How do you feel about it? Yeah, well, look, coming from Brisbane to Cairns, you know, we had boom gates pretty much in every level crossing down in Brisbane. So remaining vigilant and just making sure that there were no cars inside the boom gates that were stuck inside. There are unfortunately some road crossings over the railway tracks that are set up very close to road signals. So they might be coming up to a stoplight. So unfortunately, some people aren't aware of their surroundings and they stop on the actual track without realising that a train's going to be coming through soon. Mm. So we have had a few of those incidences in Brisbane, which can be quite scary, especially when you're coming down the track at 100 kilometres an hour. Up in Cairns, we have a, a few boom gates, but then we also have just the flashing signals with no boom gates and those are the ones that we have to be very vigilant with in terms of people crossing over trying to beat the lights trying to beat the train yeah so those ones can get your heart rate up a little bit when you can see that in the distance you've got the protection for the level crossing working and there's still cars and trucks and that going in front of you yeah so yeah it can be a little bit scary at times at what point do you have to make a decision I guess it all depends on how close to the level crossing you are. Yeah. Obviously, we've got a timetable that we need to keep to, so we do try and keep to a speed as we're travelling through these areas. Yeah. We've got that safety thing of sounding the horn as well as we're coming up to the level crossings, and particularly if we know that there's one where we can sort of see a car coming quickly down the road, we do get on the horn a little bit more to try and warn them that we are coming up. Yeah. There's a lot of things I know for some of my colleagues that have had more than one instance of cars crossing in front of them or even potential near misses or collisions, they do slow down a little bit before the level crossing. Did you do? They've had that effect on them from previous experience. Yeah. So yeah, everyone reacts differently coming up to a level crossing as well as to any instances that happen that they might actually unfortunately hit a car or a truck. Yeah. It's all very much going to affect how we drive the trains in the future. I know from my experience, I mean, I've obviously done you know, many thousands of kilometres behind the wheel of big trucks and I watch the traffic around me like a hawk. I sort of drive like everyone there is trying to run into me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people will do some really inexplicable things in front of you and you wonder how they ever manage to survive. Queenslanders are pretty good. I love the way there's a lot of Queenslanders that like to cross from the right way into the exit ramp, <laughs> like four lanes of traffic on the M1, like close their eyes and go, good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm. And I don't envy you the fact that you have to deal with that mentality sometimes. People don't realise that a few seconds or running the gauntlet is a serious thing. It can cost them their life. It can, for sure. It doesn't seem as though that sort of cuts through. I'm amazed sometimes, and I suppose really all the incidents are avoidable. Every single one of them, I think, aren't they? 
They are, yeah. If everyone followed the rules, you would find that all of these types of near misses and unfortunate collisions and, and that sort of thing could be stopped. Yeah, so I suppose really all the crossings are all clearly marked and they've got the markings on them where you shouldn't stop. It's not that difficult if you're paying attention as a driver, I don't think. Yeah, and I think also knowing your area as well. Mm. One of my colleagues was telling me that they had come around a corner and were smack bang with a truck directly over the railway track hauling a bulldozer. Yeah. And they'd come up to red lights mm. and their truck was too long for that particular section. Yeah. So in order to avoid us from hitting them, they've actually had to go through the red light to go out onto the road in front of them. Yeah. So potentially not only a train crash, but also hitting oncoming traffic as they tried to get out of the way. So, yeah, you definitely need to know where you are and what roads might be a little bit dangerous for you to stop in particular. Yeah, a little bit of patience and forethought can go a long way, I think. Very true. So we've heard that in the 2020 National Road Safety Week, Queensland Rail launched its Trains Can't Stop Quickly You Can campaign. Mm -hmm. So this campaign was aimed to raise awareness about the length of time it takes a train to stop. And Andy and I referenced it in our two old truckies ad. We talk about 20 lengths of the MCG to pull up. Pete Cohen, the driver we interviewed last time, he drives freight trains. You drive passenger trains. Mm. Do they take the same amount of time? They don't strike me as though they weigh as much, a passenger train. No, they're not as long and they don't have as many passengers to equal the same weight as the freight train. So they're two massive factors in slowing the train down and bringing it to a stop. Yeah. So, yeah, we still take a long time to slow down and come to a complete stop. For me, I think I was travelling about 44 kilometres an hour when I had my collision and it still took over 150 metres for me to bring the train to a stop. Wow. So it's not that fast, but still took quite some time to slow down and stop. Yeah, right. So you've actually had a crash in a train then? I have, yes. I um, unfortunately hit a car that went through flashing lights in the Cairns area. Yeah, right. So you didn't actually hit the car though. He hit you, didn't he, really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you want to look at it that way. They hit us on the side, thankfully, not right in front. Right. But unfortunately, the car still ended up rolling, not just for myself and my colleagues who were in the cab with me at that time, Mm. but we had four or five cars of the tourist train that also got to see the effects of that car coming into the side of the train. So not just the drivers, but also the passengers on the train possibly would have been quite affected by seeing that. And you obviously hit the brakes pretty hard at the time and Mm. gave everyone a bit of a jostling around in the back as well. Yeah. Thankfully, the onboard staff, we have a very good and they've checked everyone pretty quickly and let us know that nobody on board was injured. Yeah. Mm. So QR have been fantastic as far as all this road safety program, train level crossing safety and all that sort of thing goes, billboards and... They've got this little bit of a saying they use, avoid harm, stop before the boom arm. And, you know, we talk about how much it costs people, but I think really the biggest cost could be your life if you've made a mistake. That's the one, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't take much, just a split second of distraction that could lead to something like that. So when you're out there, just be aware of where the train tracks are and what the protection over the crossing is. If it's flashing, if the booms are down, If you know that trains are coming through that area, always slow down and make sure that it's clear and there's no trains coming. That's a great message and it makes a lot of sense. Mm. I know that I get out driving around in western New South Wales, southwest Queensland and a lot of uncontrolled crossings there. Things would just give way signs, not even flashing lights, you know. Mm. And you've really got to be careful. You just don't know when there's going to be a train coming because I don't know what the timetable is. (laughs) No. And that's the other thing too is that sometimes the trains get delayed. Yeah. And you might be thinking, okay, so this train comes through at 2.30 every afternoon, so at 3 o'clock I'm going to go straight through and not even bother looking. Yeah. You just never know these days what's going to happen. There's many things that can cause delays to the train. Yeah. And you always just have to be vigilant around train tracks and make sure that you are stopping where you need to and abiding by the safety protection that we have just so that you and your family get home safely. Might be the last mistake they make, I think. Mm. We're talking about experiences with incidents and that. You've said that you had that accident with the car. Obviously, that's going to colour the way you go about your job in the future. You said that before as well. Same, it would for me as well. In fact, I've managed to clean up a car when it wasn't my fault. So, Mm. you know, it it does make you a little bit more wary. For sure. I mean, are they the only sort of incidents that you have as a train? I mean, there are other things that happen as well, aren't there? Like tree branches and animals and things like that that get on the tracks. Yeah. Is that the same sort of, I mean, what happens? What do you do? 
realistically with your animals that's a little bit harder mm. animals the size of cows and that are going to have an impact on the train anything smaller than that again we take so long to slow down that if the animal doesn't get out of the way unfortunately yeah it's a bit of a goner for them mm. in terms of tree branches and that that can always cause damage to the locos and the trains that we've got so we do need to try and slow down and stop beforehand depending on how fast we're going Mm. With coranda, particularly in the wet season, we can sometimes get some landslides. Yeah, right. So that's one thing that we need to be really careful of um, up here. So if you actually, apart from the cars, but I'm just talking about in general, if you have an impact with something, do you just stop and just jump out and check the train or you have sensors that tell you what's going on or what happens there? No, we don't have that technology just yet with the sensors. We do need to stop the train, get out and just make sure that everything is okay. Mm. Make sure that whatever it is, isn't affecting the trains running or if we were to start the train up again. And then obviously we're reporting it to our maintenance people so that they can also do a check over once it gets back to the shed and make sure that there's nothing that we can't see underneath the train that might be an issue in the future. Yeah. So we've had a you know, pretty broad ranging conversation. And I thank you very much for that. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Likewise. <laughs> Thanks. We're doing this because we want a take home message for people that are listening. What's the take home message that you like people to have from our conversation? Just to be more aware of your surroundings. If you don't know about trains, a lot of people don't realise just how big they are and how much damage they can do, how fast they can go and how long it takes for them to actually come to a full stop and the the fact that we can't avoid anything if it's there in front of us. So please just be more aware on the roads. Make sure that you are following the road rules. Anytime you see a stop sign at a level crossing or some flashing lights or a boom gate, please slow down and stop and make sure that you wait until the protection is lifted and everything is safe for you to go ahead. Because not only do we want to get home safely as the driver, we want everyone else on the roads to get home safely as well. Couldn't have put it better myself. Thanks for talking with me, Jenna. I do appreciate it. You have a great day. Yeah, thank you. You too. And if I'm up in Queensland again, I'll uh, be going for a ride on the train up to Coranda. I know that my other half would love to do that. Mm. Maybe we can catch up. I'll buy you a cup of tea. Yeah, definitely. Or the steak at Yorkie's Knob. Or the steak at Yorkie's Knob. <laughs> Good call. Hey, I like steak. Yeah, definitely. Love your work, mate. You take care of yourself. Excellent. Thank you very much. Awesome. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On The Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking With Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. 2022 has already been a massive year for this week's music guest. She took the crown and the Gimpy Music Musters NAB talent search, was a grand finalist in the prestigious Toyota Star Maker competition at Tamworth and was awarded Most Popular New Female Artist of the Year at the ICMA Awards. She's currently on a national tour off the back of her scorching single Feel the Fire and this week her latest single Like Me That Way arrives, just ahead of the release of her new album titled Just Be, a little later in the month. Her performances have been labelled as electric, her voice is described as powerhouse, and it's easy to see why she's quickly making her mark on the Australian music scene. Allow me to introduce you to the delightful Brittany Elise. Hi Brittany, thanks for finding the time to come and join us on the road. Thank you so much for having me. You are literally on the road right now in the early stages of your Feel the Fire tour. How's it going so far? 
Yeah, it's so amazing. Look, it's just one of those things. Catching up with everyone again is just even more unique than ever before and doing what we love and everyone's really enjoying live music again. And every town and every show is just so wonderful in their own way. So, yeah, it's really lovely to be back on the road. Yeah. You really have been busy. There was a show you did earlier in the year called Raise Your Voice. What was that all about? Yeah, I love how much music can give back to other people. And so I've actually created a show called Raise Your Voice. Mm. I invite all our local female singer-songwriters to perform a song that they've written or they can perform their own rendition of their favourite cover, either or. Sure. And then we invite the community to come and we have a sellout show now every year and it's an interactive show. So there's games, music, trivia, like there's everything in one And then we also donate all the proceeds to our local women's shelter. Right. And that whole concept is just, you know, we can pull each other up. Music's probably one of the most powerful languages. Oh, for sure. So wherever we can come together and enjoy each other's company and live music and feature up-and-coming artists is just an absolute bonus. It certainly is, and it's a great thing to do. The list of artists you've supported and performed with is amazing. Now, I'll do a bit of name dropping here. People like James Johnston, Darlinghurst, Lee Koenigan, Fanny Lumsden, Graham Connors. So many of these people we've actually talked to and consider them to be great friends of the show. But the list goes on and on. I know we can't play favourites here, but who do you get the biggest buzz out of working with? Uh, You're actually right because they're all incredible artists, but they're all incredible people. And honestly, I could take something from each of them. They've all helped with my career whether it's me aspiring to be them, whether it's myself taking songwriting tips, maybe it's performance advice that they've given, or maybe it's just I'm trying to match them in their beautiful people. Yeah. And they support artists, and that's what I'm trying to do with my music career too. You know, wherever we can help each other is the best. So that's actually a really tough question, Uh, but I've (laughs) honestly loved every single one of them, and they've given something to my career each and every show. Yeah. It's interesting with these folks. When we've spoken with a number of them, and people like James Johnson and Darlinghurst sort of come to mind because we've most recently spoken with them, I suppose, they all seem to be so willing to give to others and to share what they've learned along the way. It's a real community, isn't it, in the country music scene in Australia? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's very unique to country music and our Australian country music. Mm. Honestly, we're all just a big family and we love festivals because it's a family with artists alike, fans, vendors, anyone that's putting on the festival. And that is something super unique and it's the best part of music. Oh, for sure. And you don't mind a party either, do you? Absolutely not. (laughs) That's our (laughs) catch-ups. For sure. Now, your new album is set for release in about a week's time, which you must be excited about. We're going to have a listen shortly to your new single drawn from the album called Like Me That Way. But before we do... Can you tell us a little of the background story behind the song? Yeah, absolutely. It's a little bit of a breakup anthem for myself, Mm. but also I wanted to write a song and I drew inspiration from Casey Chambers' Am I Not Pretty Enough? Great song. And Missy Higgins' song, Scar. Great song too, yeah. Yeah, they were very powerful, bold statements when they were released. Yeah. And I just love that concept because, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, your gender, your job, anything that you're aspiring to be, there's always potentially someone who's going to want you to change or you feel like you need to change to fit whatever's going on in your world. Yeah. But the best thing someone ever said to me was, you're going to be your most successful Brittany Elise if you are just her. Yeah. So be yourself. And then I literally just loved that concept and that concept of I like who I am and I like me that way. And that's literally what I drew on for this song. And then those two songs I was just talking about. And I went to Lynn Botel and I said, I've written all of this. What do you think? And she loves that concept too, that empowerment theme, I guess. Mm. But yeah, it was really lovely to write that song. And I think it should hopefully speak to everyone. We should just love who we are and be our own number one fan. Absolutely. And the best advice. There's so much more to your story than we have time to explore fully today. So where can our listeners go online to find out more about you and to check the dates and venues where they can catch you performing live? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a website which has got literally, it's probably a central point for everything, and that's BrittanyEliseMusic.com. Sure. But also Facebook, Instagram, we're on pretty much every platform with Brittany Elise Music. So you should be able to find it wherever listeners are accessing and following journeys of artists. We should hopefully be on there. Okay. Folks, our guest this morning has been the wonderful Brittany Elise. Brittany, sadly, we need to wrap up our chat for now, but thank you for finding the time to come out and play on the road with us. 
No, thank you. Thanks for your support always. Would you please introduce your new single for us? I would love to. This is Brittany Elise with Like Me That Way. Used to wear my hair up Cause you liked it that way Used to hang with your crowd Didn't have much to say And no matter what I choose I couldn't please you Mom always said hearts are to blame Used to wear my hair up Cause you liked it that way How things change They Start the day right without checking your phone. Couldn't give you enough love to stop you feeling alone. And no matter what it changed, it was still the same. You didn't know your head from your heart. Couldn't start the day right. Without checking your phone How things change They I'm Darren. I'm listening to On the Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow. Got me there, Andy. Gotcha go. Better throw out those anchors, buddy. The traffic's at a standstill up here. I reckon some clown's got himself stuck under the Dunlop Terrace Railway Bridge again. Again? Maybe he was delivering a bridge and ran out of diesels. Yeah, no, it's no joke, really. According to Queensland Rail, there's been 65 bridge strikes and around 280 of those protection beams hit on the Queensland Rail network in the last financial year. With the fines around 11 and a half grand, you'd think drivers would make a point of knowing the height of their truck. The fines are one thing, more to the point these people are risking their lives and putting others in danger. Yeah, roger that. Maybe Queensland Rail should do some kind of educational advertising to warn drivers about the danger of bridge strikes. They are, mate. Why do you think we're recording this? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're smart people at Queensland, right? Yeah, good looking too, just like us. <laughs> this safety message is brought to you by Queensland Rail as a reminder to us all that size matters. Know your trucking height. G'day, it's Adam Harvey here and you're listening to Mike and Andy on the road. Something to talk about is brought to you by Only Trucks and Credit One. Buying your next truck has never been so easy. Go to onlytrucks.com.au. So let's give them something. 
Hey Mike, I read a piece in Big Rigs this week that brought up the concept of people towing caravans to be required to obtain a specific towing licence. Yeah, yeah, I've read that one too much. There's a differing opinion though being offered that claims such a licence wouldn't solve the problem. What do you think? Is a towing licence worth considering or not? Well, we talk about there being a case to educate caravan drivers or people towing caravans around. Yeah. Some of these bigger caravan units we see around now, these big Dodge Rams and Chevy Silverados and Ford F-350s, 450s with the 30-foot vans on them, they're getting up around eight tonne in their gross vehicle mass. Like the big fifth wheel things. Some of them are big fifth wheel things, but even some of the 30-foot caravans that they're sticking on the tow hitch behind a Dodge Ram or something. Mm. Even some of the ones that are behind the Toyota Saharas, they're three and a half ton caravans, some of them. Yeah. And there are weight bridges around that are marked that if you're over, GVM's over seven and a half ton, then you need to go in and go over the weight bridge, but they don't seem to worry about it. Mm. There's been a crackdown on van weights, we all know that. There are people around that are towing caravans, they've been towing them for years and they're fine. Yeah. But the majority of people that are towing caravans have never towed anything really big or heavy in their life. That's it. You know, they've spent their day driving 20 k's to work in the traffic, wherever. Mm. They come to their retirement. Yeah, cash in their super. Yeah. Cash in their super or their investments. And they go and spend a couple of hundred thousand dollars on a big 4 before and a caravan and think that they go and do the lap around Australia and more power to them. I absolutely think they should do it. Mm. But we've got a number of problems that are generated by this. I'm interested in your point of view because we've got to share the roads with them, all of us, no matter whether we're truck drivers or car drivers or whatever it is. Yeah. And we've also got to share the rest areas with them. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's always that. Uh, I honestly think if it's something that big, and like you said, most of them are inexperienced at towing anything of that size, let alone driving a vehicle like they're driving. On the other side of that, I saw a bloke the other day in a big double-wheel caravan towed around by a little Mazda 3, Yeah, which is nearly as scary, you know, front-wheel drive with the nose in the air. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. There needs to be some, whether it's a licensing thing or just an obligatory training program that they have to do to be able to prove that they know how to handle it. Mm. You know, I remember seeing years ago when I lived in Sydney coming up between Hornsby and the Central Coast up the motorway there. Yeah. Thumping great big caravan, got the death wobbles up. He had no idea what to do with it. Went over at 110 and just flipped over on its side, spun the car around on its roof Mm. and split open like a pot of peas going every which way and bits of stuff everywhere. And I think that's the thing, you know, when it comes to just cruising along and the happy part of caravanning, they're all good. But when it comes to the hitting the fan, everything goes south and they haven't got a clue what to do. There needs to be some obligatory training to make sure that they're in control of what they're doing for their own sake and everyone else's. The way it is now, training and advice are left to caravanning groups and associations and none of that is mandatory. Yep. There's nothing to stop me nor anyone else going out tomorrow afternoon, spending a couple of hundred thousand, getting one of these things on the road, then tootling off into the sunset with no training or education at all. Mm. I think that there has to be, as you say, something that's mandatory. I would prefer to see a license because at least then you can get into the idea of how to load things properly. Yeah. People don't understand what their table weights are. They don't understand what gross vehicle mass is. They don't understand the difference between tear and net weight. They don't understand the fact that anything they put in their caravan, water, their clothes, their fishing rod, their boat, Mm. whatever it is, in those toy haulers and things, their quad bike in the back of it or whatever, Mm. they don't understand that all that is added to the weight. But more to the point, we could then teach them about some road etiquette. So this is what we want you to do if you're going to be overtaken by a truck. This is how we'd like to share the rest areas with you. You know, you go in and explain to them what the requirements are in the rest areas and why the trucks need to be in particular places and why they can share different areas. Mm. Everyone agrees that education is the answer. Perhaps if we made some of that education mandatory, it's not going to have an immediate effect. But over the course of time, like the seatbelt campaign, like the drink driving campaign, like any other road safety campaign we have, it'll filter through and 10 years down the track, we'll have a better situation. And I think that that's a sensible way to approach it. I couldn't agree more. And they could add to that. You remember the old movie, The Long, Long Trailer with Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz? I don't, no. Yeah. It was obviously a comedy movie about towing this massive great caravan around all over America. Mm. As you can understand with Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, it didn't go well. No, of course it wouldn't. Probably wouldn't be a bad sort of movie to watch to know this is not what you do when you're towing <laughs> a caravan. I've watched the vacation movies, you know, the ones with Chevy Chase. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the most memorable scene in all those, would you like to guess? Uh, swimming pool? The swimming pool? <laughs> Second most memorable. 
They're all memorable, mate. They were great movies. Oh, mate, what is it? The family truckster. You think you hate it now. Wait till you drive it. Yeah. Oh, man, I don't know. A bit of training for the caravan drivers, mate. That'd be all right. Surely. Surely it's not too much to ask. Bring it on. Well, I'd be one of them. I'd love to go and do that, except for one small thing. What's that? I don't have the 200,000 to go out and buy them. <laughs> you never know, mate. We might get a sponsor one day that'll say, we need to talk about their caravans or something. And we'll say, give Andy a caravan for a couple of months. Let him go for a trip. Yeah, and an F-350. Thanks. That'd be great. Beautiful. Be wonderful, wouldn't it? I'll get my license. Hey, just on these big, powerful cars, mate, I saw an ad while the great race was on. Yeah. And it's this bloke gets into a black Dodge Ram, you know. Oh, yeah. His mate says to him, do you really need a V8 diesel? And he says, get in, right? Yeah. They go for a drive and he hoons around in this big Dodge and says the fella in the passenger seat, enough said, and he's sitting there and looks like he's been overexcited in his underwear. Yeah. It's all right, mate. That's all I need. Yeah. It's a bit obvious how they're aiming the marketing on that thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And let's face it, nobody needs a V8, but everyone wants one. What do you mean no one needs a V8? Uh, we don't need it, but we want it. <laughs> yeah, indeed. A V8, mate. <sighs> Bring it on. How do you reckon the new cars are going to go now that Holden's finished on the V8 circuit last race for Holden on the mountain this last weekend? What do you reckon is going to happen there? Absolutely anything could happen. Hmm. Good old Dick Johnson's driven one of the new Mustangs and reckons they're the best thing since sliced bread. Of course, yeah. And uh, those that have driven the new Camaros have said exactly the same thing. Putting them into race form will be an entirely different animal. Mm. The Gen 3 is quite a different car to the Gen 2, from what I understand. Yeah. So I think one of three things could happen. Yep. One, you might find that the Mustangs are just way superior. Yeah. Two, you might just find that the Camaros are way superior. Yep. Or three, anything else. <laughs> yeah, well, just don't make a decision, mate. Don't go in any one direction, will you? <laughs> We won't know until they get into it next year, but it'll be fun to watch. Todd and Jack, the guys from Truck Assist, they're getting the new Camaro, aren't they? Yep. Let's see how they go with those. Absolutely. Well, it's been a lot of fun talking at you. Yep, always is. (laughs) Copy there, Andy. Yeah, gotcha go. You've got to love that big brekkie at the roadhouse. Oh, you're not wrong. It's a great feed. Hey, was that Davo's truck that came in spluttering and coughing like an old tractor? Yeah, mate. I think it's about time we upgraded the old girl. Yeah, roger that. Though it's a bit of a nightmare shopping for a new rig. Doesn't have to be, mate. Found this place called Only Trucks. An online one-stop shop for buying and selling trucks. With all the best makes and models. It's associated with Credit One. Organise the finance for you. You can deal with the sellers direct through the website. Cut out the middleman, save time and money. Sounds like the way to go. Where do I find them? Too easy, mate. Go to onlytrucks.com.au and it's all laid out there for you. You should send Davo a text and tell him to go to Only Trucks and get a new rig. Might just buy you a beer or three. Davo? He wouldn't shout if he was bit by a shark, mate. (laughs) Upgrading your truck has never been so easy. Go to onlytrucks.com.au Number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. G'day, it's James Johnston here and you're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy. On The Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. G'day, Mike. How's the world treating you? All right, mate. Bit damp, bit muddy, but we're getting by. Good, good. 
We were talking earlier about caravanners and the need for some sort of formalised training along with the possibility of introducing a towing licence. Yep. I just want to quickly read a little piece I found the other day. It's not a joke as such. Well, I guess to a degree it is really, but the outcome of the story is astonishing. Right. A woman named Mrs. Grzynski bought herself a brand new Winnebago. Yep. She was excited and took her first trip to Oklahoma for a football game. Right. On the way home, she set the cruise control to 70 as soon as she got onto the freeway, subsequently got up, walked to the back and made herself a sandwich, leaving the Winnebago to drive itself. <laughs> no. The resulting crash was spectacular, and it's hard to believe that someone would actually do that, but she did not feel at fault. In fact, she sued Winnebago for the crash because the owner's manual didn't tell her she couldn't leave it to drive itself. Right. The jury agreed with her and she was awarded $1,750,000 plus a new motorhome. <laughs> right. This is why the Winnebago manuals now warn people that they must actually drive the vehicle at all times when it's moving. Can you believe that? Oh, mate, I absolutely do believe it. And you know why I believe it? Mm. I bought a new Mac in about 2002, 2003, somewhere about there, a brand new Mac. And that had a thing in it called a co-pilot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've got images of flying high here with the inflatable co-pilot. <laughs> there it is. No, just a little thing that was on the dash. It was like the road relay that the Cummins used to, and it just electronic display and everything like that. Yeah. And I got told a very, very similar story about someone who had bought a Mac with one of these things installed in it, and he believed it was a co-pilot, and he had a crash as a result of not driving the truck. <laughs> so I believe it, 100%. It's just that stupid. Oh, look, I can't believe it from a truck driver, surely not. <laughs> oh, there you go. Some 18 years after a crash in the southern highlands of New South Wales in which a six-year-old child was killed, a 59-year-old truck driver from Queensland was taken into custody this week and extradited to New South Wales. Little six-year-old Rianne Strathy was killed in this accident. I remember this accident, you know, because there was a lot of questions about who, how and why and there was a conversation about whether the driver would have known he hit the car and we were saying at the time, well, you know if you've run over a damn rock. Yep. Or you hit a kangaroo. How would you not know if you hit a car, you know, if you're paying attention? Mm. So anyway, this bloke's been taken into Ipswich and he's been extradited. He's going to be facing the music and I think he should, really. I mean, no matter what the cause of the accident was at the time, and really only he knows, I suppose, mm. there needs to be some sort of redress and at least now we're going to find out the story as to why this happened and how this little girl paid with her life for this bloke's mistake. Well, will we find out the story? Well, we should. Makes you wonder, though, mate. It's taken 18 years to get to this point. Whether we do or not, whether it actually ends up on the front page or something like that, who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's always the case with these sort of accidents, isn't it? We all see the gore splashed across the front page because if it bleeds, it leads. We all know that. Yeah. 18 years. You've got to wonder what piece of new information came forward to see this bloke get caught. Yeah. Because he's obviously never spilled the beans on himself or he'd have been caught already. Hmm. So there's a lot more to this than meets the eye, mate. And I'm hoping that we will get some answers. We need to find out why these things happen. The Freight Branch of Transport for New South Wales has this week released an extensive list of flood warnings to help operators during this current weather event. Yeah, weather event. Is it a, is it a weather event or is it weather? Well, it's a weather event or it's a, what do they call it, a rain bomb or... yeah. <sighs> George Carlin had a bit to say about weather events, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't kind to him either. No. I'm actually out in Western New South Wales as we speak, and I've had about an hour added to my day today because I've had to divert around various lots of standing water. It's hard to believe we're in spring. Anyone would still think we're in winter, wouldn't they? You would. Mate, there's a picture there on the story on bigrigs.com.au. Go to the webpage there and you can find all these New South Wales flood warnings. Lachlan Valley's closed between Forbes and Goolagong. That's the one I've had to divert around today. Mm. But they've got a lovely picture of a landslip there, which is on the highway out near Ilford. Okay. And I put some video of that landslip up of me driving through it the other way on my Twitter page. I might put it on the podcast Facebook page too. Mm. I was sort of going to do this for something to talk about, but we're talking about in the news. There's a great long list of roads that are cut, so don't rely on what you think about how to go out here if you're coming out this way. 
have a look and get some local knowledge, ring the local police station or the local SES. They can tell you all the roads that are closed and it's changing daily, so you need to keep up on it. Yep. But can you imagine what it'll be like driving towards that landslip? It's a narrow road. There's a pretty steep dip down the side of it. Yep. The arm goes there for a reason. Yeah. And you're driving along that road and there's someone coming towards you. You dip your lights, but you don't slow down, do you? Mm. And then all of a sudden, there's no road there. Yes. And you'd be off the side and down that bank and it's not your fault. Yeah. To me, the state of our roads has just taken a marked decline over the last 12 to 18 months, and I don't think there's any excuse for it. It's not as if our taxes have gone down. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, something to talk about in the news, mate. Indeed. As always, make sure you plan and prepare for your trip. Yep, mm. and don't drive through it. If it's flooded, forget it. Yeah. yeah. I've seen some holes in roads out here that are covered by what you only think would be a couple of inches of water, and there's a bloody three-foot deep hole underneath it. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. Just be careful. You know, don't assume that the road is actually there under the water, because I've seen two inches of today alone where the road is not there under the water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Made as a means of helping to address the chronic shortage of truck drivers, the Victorian Transport Association has renewed its calls for heavy vehicle transport drivers to be added to Australia's priority migration skilled occupation list. Yeah, and, and everyone's doing it now. Mm -hmm. All the industry bodies that supposedly represent the drivers, when in fact they actually represent the carriers and everyone except the drivers really, mm. now they want to take the easy answer and import more foreign drivers. Why do they want to import them? Because we haven't trained them. Yep. It's not as if we haven't known for years that the freight task is getting larger every year. The more people we add to this country, the more stuff that needs to be carted. It's not a secret that this is happening. Uh, I could get back on my bike about rates, and if you charge the right rates, then you can do all the other things. I really want someone to come on the show and tell me I'm wrong. Mm. The VTA, everybody else is saying, oh, we need to add these people to the skills priority list. No, we don't. There's not a shortage of drivers. There's plenty of drivers out there. There's plenty of drivers out there with licenses to drive these trucks. What there isn't, there isn't plenty of people who are paying the right money. So what they do is they import these drivers. They come to us from countries where their money has a lot less buying power than ours does. Yep. They get what they think is a great wage because back in their country, it's astronomical. Mm. And they come here and they take whatever they can get because they're so bloody grateful to get it. And I don't blame them for that. You can't blame them for that. But for the VTA, the ATA, Nat Road, all these other people, all they're doing is looking after the interests of their own constituents. They're not looking after the interests of the drivers. If they're looking after the interests of the country and the transport industry, they'd be getting sensible and start paying drivers properly and treating them with a decent amount of respect you wouldn't see billboards on the side of the road. And speaking of billboards on the side of the road, I rang G1 and asked him for an interview. Mm -hmm. Crickets. I asked him how much they were paying. Crickets. They don't want to talk about it. Mm. Peter Anderson. I'm going to try and get hold of Peter and see if he'll come on the show and see if I can get him to tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. Because our immigration rules don't need to be changed. We don't need more drivers. There are plenty here. Pay them properly. Well, there are plenty here, and we've heard during the week that your mate Carl from Channel 9's Today Show reckons he's going to start driving trucks as soon as he's finished with his TV career. <laughs> mate, I've been trying to get older Carl. We'll have a bit of a chat about that. We'll see what happens down the track. That'll be good for a laugh. If he's into it, mm. I'm going to throw him in the cab with someone, mm. and we'll see if he's got what it takes. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Still on the subject of caravans, across the ditch, a former firefighter and mental health advocate has hooked up his old caravan to his trusty Suzuki SUV and is taking the message that it's okay not to be okay out to trackies around the country. Now, I don't think I can pronounce this name, mate. I might leave that to you. <laughs> You're going to leave it to me? I am. <laughs> oh, no. You know, I've been talking to the guys across the ditch and I'm going over for the truck show and all the rest of it, right? Yep. Now, I've got to meet this guy, apparently. Okay. <laughs> if you go to the bigrigs.com.au webpage, you'll see his caravan there and his truck this and truck that written on the side of it. It's okay not to be okay. Hmm. Fully support the message. And then you look at the picture of him. Hmm. You know what he puts me in mind of? Then go on. That Scottish fella that's on the ad where it's talking about, get in my belly. Yep. <laughs> He's a dead ringer. It's a brother from another mother. He looks like you could see him in a kilt tossing his caber. You could. <laughs> 
You can say that. You can say that. Oh, well, are we going to say the name, are we? I didn't catch the name, mate, so, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Robbie Gooserooter Shepherd. Sorry. Sorry, I missed the middle name. What was it? Gooserooter. <laughs> I tell you what, I sure hope that's a nickname. <laughs> you can only hope so. Oh, dear. Oh, geez. It's all right, Robbie, mate. Robbie Gooserooter, uh, you've made our day anyway, mate. You've certainly, certainly eased our mental day. <laughs> Absolutely, and he's doing a great thing too. Good on you, Robbie. Yeah, no, he's driving around and people are going to talk to him and all the rest of it, and apparently he's doing some good. He has a bit going on the uh, New Zealand Truck and Radio, uh, Truck and Radio New Zealand 24-7 or whatever they call it over there, mm-hmm. and the whole thing is just a great idea. It's all done very, very lightheartedly, and I think that there's a niche for something like that here in Australia as well. You know? Absolutely. Sometimes the Kiwis do have a good idea. Yeah. Oh, man. Moving on. Please, let's do. I've got tears. At an industry round table. Oh, no. Round table this week. The South Australian Transport Minister has ruled out a proposal to cut the speed limit on the southeastern freeway for heavy vehicles from 60 kilometres an hour to 40 kilometres an hour. Yep. I'm not going to go through and read all the detail of this story. If you really want to know all the detail, go to bigrigs.com.au and look for the story, SA rules out reducing the speed limit. There are a heap of points there over three sort of separate areas of trying to address the problem of people running off the end there and and having a crash at the bottom of the hill. Mm. The first obviously revolves around vehicle technology. The second is around speed and traffic management. And the third is about infrastructure. The thing that I will note in this story that I thought was most intriguing, and it's absolutely true, they're talking about a third arrest of bed. Mm. Someone there sort of said, and I expect sarcastically, they've already driven past two, why would they drive into the third one? Yeah. You know, so there's probably an element of truth in that. Well, yeah, you could look at it from the point of view of they're going down of, you know, first one, should I? Yeah. Second one, should I? Yeah. Third one, yeah, I better. I better, yeah. Hmm. But the worst part about all these things that they talk about reducing the speed limit to 40, you go down Mount Oosley in towards Port Kembla, yep. and the speed limit down that hill, although it's much shorter than going down the southeastern, mm. is 40, and the trucks are restricted to the two left lanes going down the hill for the first part, and then to the one only lane in the bottom half of the Mount Oosley drop. Mm. The problem that all this creates is if someone does lose it or muck it up, it makes it harder for them to find somewhere to go. Mm. And the speed differentials are so great that it really doesn't take much more of an error for there to be a complete disaster. Part of the problem with this is education. There's no doubt about that. Mm. There are no doubt that there's the potential for mechanical failures. There's no doubt that there's potential for brain fading drivers too. Yep. Going over the top, feeling a little bit doughy. I should have gone down four gears back there. Oh, shit, I missed it. Let's go for a ride. Mm. I've got no doubt that that's happened at some time or another. And it's going to continue to happen no matter what they do. But what there needs to be some education now. We have this education tool now. I'm not going to get on the hobby horse and say, where is it? (laughs) But if the simulator was set somewhere where drivers could access it and use it and weren't charged $85 for the privilege or whatever it is. Mm. And if you're going down the freeway, then you've got a green dot in the bottom left-hand corner of your left-hand windscreen or something to say that you've done the simulator. How long have we been calling for that, mate? Mate, I'm going to keep calling for it because it's a sensible thing to do. Mm. If you've got the technology, part of the problem to this is education. Why can we not stand up and spend a few dollars on educating people? How much would it cost to sit that thing out there for six months and have it staffed by one person who can answer the questions and let the guys have a go at it? Yep. Compared to how much is the clean-up cost if someone goes arse overhead and spills a load of anything over the road and I don't know, kills a few people. It's not as if it's never happened. Yeah. It's interesting there's a recurring theme here, mate. So many of the stories we cover Mm. that are an issue that needs to be dealt with, there is an answer to each and every one of them. And it's education. It's education. In every case. And perhaps a small amount of funding. Mm. You know, that's what the NHVR should be doing. Rather than trying to subsidise people to employ drivers, why don't we subsidise people to train drivers? Yes. Speaking of train drivers, that was a good interview you did earlier. Well, then I, I enjoyed it. She was lovely, Jen was. She was. She is. I'm going to have to stay away from Yorkie's Knob now, mate, because it's going to cost me a steak. Yeah, well, if you're going to go up there and buy steaks, make sure you post one back to me, please. <laughs> mate, thought for the week. Yep. Staying on our theme, life is like a caravanning road trip. Enjoy each day and don't carry too much baggage.
That's exactly right, mate. It is. Too much baggage. We've all got too much baggage. Be safe as you go, brother, and blessings to all who sail upon you. I will. I'm just going to blow me floaties up before I head out of here. We'll be right. Wise move. See ya. See ya. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. We chatted with Aussie music artist Duncan Toombs a little while back, and since then he's been busy writing new material and performing around the country. Here to take us out from this week's show with his latest single just released is our mate Duncan Toombs with Complicated. It started out simple And then it wasn't It was climbing trees and getting dirty knees Mama calling our name right on supper time Some way, somehow, life all changed We're strapped in the backseat, driving in the fast lane It's a working grind while we're drinking our wine We're holding our breath and wishing on a good time Why's it gotta be like this? Why's it gotta be like that? Jumping Jack Flash, take us back so why's it gotta be so complicated? When people always say lies, what you make it? So why's it gotta be so complicated? The selling is strange, but most of us fake it. Yeah. So why's it gotta be so complicated? I'm yearning for a simple life Ooh, away from all the noise and strife I want to slow down that melody And just breathe Was it gotta be like this? Was it gotta be like that? Strawberry fears take us back On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. And Queensland Rail, committed to educating drivers to know their vehicle height and to plan their trip ahead to avoid low-lying bridges. Go to www.qr.com.au. Be sure to join us again next week when our guest says... Generally, the guys are pretty good. Mike says... I do get up from time to time. And Andy says, Nothing tricky, I'm sure. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. But why's it gotta be this? Why's it gotta be like this? Why's it gotta be like that? Strawberry fields take us back Like the water said All you need is love
complicated.